Hello and welcome to Uncomfortable, comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Hey and welcome to Uncomfortable, the podcast. My name is Debbie Roach and in this episode I chat with bulimia survivor Jetty Newenhouse. Jetty is a wellness and nutrition coach and personal trainer who helps her clients get to the root of their self-doubt. Now 20 years ago Jetty suffered from bulimia and after a long journey battling the illness she began the journey of helping other people who needed support. She's also suffered from Lyme disease and is now a volunteer with the Lyme Disease Association of Alberta. This episode was recorded just prior to the COVID-19 lockdown. I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Jetty. As always, because it's uncomfortable, there might be a little bit of adult language, so I suggest that you pop your headphones on while listening. Jetty, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Uncomfortable. Yeah, thank you, Debbie, for inviting me and having me on your podcast. Yeah, I'm really happy to. I know we connected over Instagram, which has uh, proved to be a really great way to to find people who are willing to, to come on to the podcast and your story seemed very fascinating to me. So um, before we kind of delve in, I'd love you just to talk a little bit about the work that you do um, and kind of the message you're trying to put out in the world right now. Okay, well, I'm a wellness coach, nutrition coach and personal trainer by trade. Um, And I have coached clients uh, helping with weight loss. Um, And I'm actually still helping clients. But it seems that the underlying issue is usually really not around the food. So it really comes down to kind of going deeper into the layers uh, around what this is all about. And uh, but coming back to what I'm doing is I, I, I had uh, bulimia for over 20 years. And that has been, of course, a, a threat through my red threat through my life. And um, that is really the message I want to share because I had a lot of shame and guilt and embarrassment around that. And I felt a failure and I think it's, it is actually very common and it's not um, a lot of, uh, not very often spoken about. And I really want to be a voice and support for all those women and men too that are struggling with that and, and need just, um, a warm hug, uh, a cyber hug and need some uh, empowerment and support. And that's, that is really, that is really what I'm here for. 
Yeah. yeah. Wow. And it sounds like you do it in kind of various ways through, you know, just the fitness and the nutrition, yes. but also realizing that it's not just how you look on the outside or, or what you're eating. No. It goes a lot deeper. Yeah. So if you don't mind, we'll start with, you know, you kind of realizing that you had bulimia and you said that was 20 years ago. So that's like a long a long time but I imagine something like that is just something you're always kind of battling was there ever a point where you felt you had overcome it and how did that come about like where was the point where you maybe found some strength to to deal with it um well it started when I was 18 and then um I think I was 37 my dad passed away in the Netherlands and uh, that was, uh, I wasn't very close to him, but it was a very tough one emotionally that really, um, really started within me the journey. Okay, I, I, this is a problem. Um, the things I did, bulimia, um, always yo-yo dieting, very extreme dieting. Um, that was when it started. When I was 37, I really started working on it. Uh, my bulimia ended when I was 40. Um, and then I was still struggling with binge eating. And um, yeah, that ended when I was 45. But it's, it's always it's always sort of there in the back of your mind, you know, there I'm, and, and I'm okay with, you know, having a plan. Um, usually I have a plan of eating and one day that I'll just do whatever and eat the foods that were always bad and off limits for me. Right. And, and that really works for me and everybody's different, but food will always be something that I have to be, aware of and the self-talk that goes with it and yeah like everyone has their struggles that they have to be aware of food is is that one for me and the way it is now I'm totally accepting that and I'm happy and I can live with the way it is yeah so it's almost like you kind of have a coping mechanism that yeah yeah which is really great. So if you don't mind me asking, when you were around like 18, your teenage years, Mm -hmm. what was it or was it one thing or a factor of numerous things that started to kind of, you know, cause the bulimia to happen? Um, Yeah, there there actually was. And I just realized that actually in the last year, um, it was the year that my best friend who was there since my kindergarten and I was always in their home like three nights a week I slept over and that was my save my saving grace to be honest she was but she moved away to Amsterdam to university and I had still one more year to go and I think I felt abandoned which I have felt abandoned as a child too uh, when all my brothers and sisters were marrying and I was left alone. So that abandonment piece was a big one. And also my dad told me that I couldn't finish high school uh, because I wasn't smart enough. Or I had that, it, it works different in the Netherlands. I had the highest level, almost like college that gets you right into law school. And I did finish it, but still those words are still 
sometimes or, or we're talking to me in any business things I'm doing now, you know, that voice is, is, is getting softer. Yeah. But, it's, but, still but it's still there. So those two things, uh, I think they, that were like triggered my bulimia because my friend was gone and all of a sudden I was homebound. I had to be in my house but with my parents and I felt just very lonely, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And were there any resources along the way that you turned to for help? Stuff that worked and then maybe stuff that didn't work? No, I think it was just totally different because we didn't have the computer, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I think in my 20s, I had that big bulky box. Yeah. <laughs> it was called computer. <laughs> And so uh, I had, I didn't, hadn't learned it in school really. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, I'm that old. <laughs> I'm 48. So then that is not I mean, old. you don't have to do the math. Thanks. No, it's not old, but uh, it was just right before everything came out, you know, and now you can Google everything. And in the beginning, I didn't really know that I had a problem. You know, in my 20s, I, I was, I married at 25 and I'm still married. He's a great guy. And I told him and he was the only person I, I told actually. And, and I had a little bit of help here and there because I thought I had some problems in my head, mm -hmm. but not directly related to eating maybe, but that never really, never really helped and, okay. and there was not really a nutrition or resources that were very helpful to me no yeah I mean we really take sometimes like th things like the internet for granted because I you know I think the internet was becoming a thing when I was maybe at university I didn't use it that yeah. often but yeah you know these days you can google so many resources i definitely you know seeing a professional who is trained in, in that world is something that's of total value too but at least you can get a head start on figuring out yeah. what it might be and what kind of things you can you can kind of do to to help yeah and and it's just very easy now to find a professional and even do uh work online i mean i've done that too and it's just um it just I found it easier than also traveling to an office and, and I've actually done that too. And I felt, I remember just feeling a lot of shame, uh, you know, Oh, I hope nobody sees me walking into this door because, Hey, I'm strong. I'm, but now I'm really a failure kind of, I, I just felt really embarrassed that I had to walk in that door yeah. of, of a psychologist or uh, yeah, a specialist yeah do you when how long ago did you move to canada how long have you been um it's almost Alberta? 18 years okay. 18 years yeah and have yeah. you found a difference in the two countries i'm just curious how they both you know offer support and resources to people who suffer from things like bulimia and um, with the netherlands was it lack of there or were they pretty good but maybe just because of you know the generation you were brought up there wasn't much or has there been kind of more support in canada have you noticed a difference um i think i cannot really um honestly answer that i think in the netherlands it's great too you know that the, the netherlands is a welfare state right so anyone can has access to help 
um, I do have to say that I had one really phenomenal lady uh, at um, just uh, Alberta Health that really um, was the first time that brought in my childhood, actually, mm -hmm. my little child and um, how she felt, how hopeless she felt. And that was uh, so that was a good, a good thing about Canada, I guess. Um, one thing I would say is that I think that the development I've made, the personal growth, I don't think I could have made that in when I was living mm. uh, in my town in the Netherlands. Uh, we probably would have moved there anyways, but um, I was just living very much in boxes, right? You, you, you are doing this, so you have to dress like that. You have to be like that. And um, I find finding that found a lot of freedom in that in Canada. People were less looking at me, uh, less less judgmental. I mean, people still judge, of course, and and I'm too. <laughs> but I'll I, I of it. have to stay awake. <laughs> and, and ask myself questions but um i, I in general i yeah I, I felt a little bit more freedom here yeah. in canada but yeah yeah no that's good to know i'm just always curious especially because i'm you know from a different country so i'm always curious yeah. just to compare and i do feel a similar way like i okay, and i don't yeah. know if it was just being away from something that i felt like i had more freedom so then i started yeah. to you know look for more help whether it was going to a counselor or being more open about things like that and um, hopefully you know things are are changing now everywhere um, yes, and yeah. those resources are just so much more accessible right now one thing that you had uh, you know it's on your instagram uh, little bio and on your website that you did suffer from Lyme disease at mm -hmm. one point now that's something i don't know much about so pardon my ignorance, but what exactly is Lyme disease and how did it affect you? Um, well, it, it, it's hard to explain because Lyme disease can mimic many, many different diseases. Um, you usually get it through tick bites. I mean, that is the only research I know of about and I never seen a tick. But I actually did have a rash uh, that is called the bullseye rash, but only about 40% of people actually get it. But I just had um, symptom after symptom pile up. Um, it started, yeah, it started with neck pain and stomach trouble, a lot of digestive issues, a very stiff neck. Um, even I thought about that there's this um, neck. Uh, pain disease that you actually can die of. I thought I had that. Uh, I can't find the English word right now, but it's like a virus thing. And, but so neck pain uh, and, and I had a whiplash before too, and I was an Ironman athlete. So I overused my shoulder a lot. So, uh, so I had a lot of pain, so sort of fibromyalgia, digestive issues, so IBS, uh, then I got sleeping problems. Um, I had a year-long sinus infection. Um, I had brain fog, which I didn't know when I was in it anymore. That was my norm. 
But when I recovered, I was like, wow, I, it was just like driving around my kids feeling hungover, like constant, uh, yeah, brain fog. They call it brain fog. So now I know what it is. Um, and, and chronic fatigue syndrome, like extremely tired and, and also depressed. And, but for a lot of people, some people have like MS symptoms, um, some people have heart issues, um, and, uh, and some people have, uh, brain issues and it's, it's just a very, um, confusing disease, but I had diagnose after diagnose of different diseases then until my doctor in 2017, my medical doctor said, let's test you with this new test because other tests shown completely negative. And another trustworthy test that a lot of pe that people do test positive on, the Western blood test was negative for me. So I was like, okay, Lyme is out of, is out of, it's not it and then yeah. this new test came from germany and i tested positive and that really was a turning point in my life yeah yeah i mean it must be like very hard then to diagnose because it mimics it was. so many different yes. things yeah yeah that yeah. would be very frustrating so how once you got the diagnosis what did you do then to be able to kind of overcome that well, I was already doing therapies. Like I, uh, my doctor here sent me in 2015, I think, to the Stanford Clinic in the USA for uh, to see a chronic fatigue specialist. And there, I was put on low dose naltrexone and antibiotics. So, uh, so and that actually those antibiotics made me feel a lot better. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so that was good for the chronic fatigue syndrome because they linked that to bacteria as well. Uh, and they, they were very knowledgeable, of course, at Stanford. Yeah. Uh, but that was already starting, of course, the cure of my, my Lyme, um, which I didn't know I had. But I saw different doctors and naturopathic doctors. And I had one good naturopathic doctor in Calgary. She also put me on... Um, on antibiotics and other tinctures that she made and um so that that's how i started recovering already before i um had my official diagnose but that just made it made it better and clearer okay and also in my mind like okay this is what i have i'm not faking it i it's not in between my ears as even some friends suggested um, so I was very thankful for the diagnose. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I did a lot of different, different things, Western medicine combined with, uh, naturopathic medicine and, um, and I'm still doing a lot of things to stay healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was kind of my next question. Is it something then you get to the point where your doctor says, okay, that's it, you're, you're fully over Lyme disease, or is it something that you'll, you'll always have to keep up some sort of, you know, dietary awareness as well as other stuff to kind of maintain your health? Um, yeah, I think there is no, not really an answer to that, but I did test, retest again, and it, it showed that it was almost gone. I mean, it stays in your blood. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it's really hard to get rid of in your blood because those bacteria, they nestle into everything. Um, apparently, Lyme people have blood, blood clods. They have thicker blood and that's where the bacteria hide in. And I have also a very good doctor in Los Angeles right now. And so I took for a long time blood thinners too to kind of uh, which to a lot of people sounded weird. And even my pharmacy here was like, what? <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it, yeah, it definitely helped also with the pain. And um, so, and I don't know in how I get, if I ever get really rid of it, but I do have to say that a big mental component is there too. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot, I, I, well, I, I have pain on and off, but lately I had, I was really asking myself question, like, what is this pain? Why is this pain here? And what is it telling me? And um, I actually asked it in in a group, um, a meditation group I'm in. And really the answer that came really hit home. It was like that I felt abandoned as a little child. And um, I felt, uh, then I felt abandoned by the world and I closed my heart to protect myself. And when I heard those words, I just started bawling. That was two weeks ago, actually. (laughs) Oh, so very recent. Very recent. Yeah, like it sounds like it cycles back then to the beginning of the bulimia yeah it's connected yeah yeah Yeah. and and i've had not had pain since that and i'm sure that pain will come back again you know that there will be times again when i have stress or you know or or you're not fully aligned with yourself and then it's time to ask (laughs) yeah well do you like i guess you're just more much more self-aware now so there are certain situations where you notice that that pain will come back when there's a particular thing happening. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. And, and I also, uh, also even told my husband, you know, like if, if I get ever in, in a big trauma or something or a big accident, uh, you have to help me do everything to get that Lyme under control. I think those situations can, or things like anesthesia, or so, how do you say it when you put under? Uh, mm-hmm. Like uh, under yeah. an anesthetic? Yeah, anesthetic. Uh, those sort of things are like, like yeah, toxins to the body and, and sort of trauma uh, or, or bad car accidents and, and stuff like that. I think that's when I have to be, come, be really aware. Also, of course, mental stress uh, situations. So I'm... Um, self-isolating myself (laughs) that I was about to say that right now we're right you know deep in the Mm COVID-19 I don't know what to call it (laughs) apocalypse almost but and I'm assuming then people like yourself who have gone through something like that I'm I'm guessing your immune system then must be have taken its toll it must have taken its toll so oh, you yeah. then have to be incredibly careful in times like this um yeah yeah my immune system is lower my my white blood cell count is always very low but um you know i don't know maybe i had that as a teenager already so 
That is not proof. Uh, knock on wood. I don't get very often sick lately. Uh, I'm not worried about getting the disease, the illness, or I'm, I'm, but of course, if someone is sick, I'll say, okay, you better stay where you are. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, I'm not, uh, next week I'm going to the gym and I'll just wash my, ha my hands very thoroughly. Um, you know, this week was a busy week with a little bit of travel within Canada and like then today i'm like okay better not work out take it easy because working out can suppress your immune system too mm -hmm. so there's little steps uh, i take but i'm not gonna um panic um, panic and yeah. i'm i'll just continue living and i have faith and trust that i will not that i will be strong enough if i even get it that i can fight this off yeah it sounds like you've done a lot of work around kind of changing your mindset yeah. and you know going to that place where you're stronger and more positive which can be yeah. a really hard place for a lot of people mm -hmm. to get to you know, something i struggle with and i didn't go yeah. through you know a lot of what you've gone through like what kind of things have you done to be able to kind of teach yourself to go there um well, I've, I had a life coach uh, that helped me. I had that uh, lady, I'm not sure what her title, maybe she was a psychologist, I don't think so, but at the health unit here. Um, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos, <laughs> you know, from certain life coaches and that I really discovered that the thing that it, it wasn't really all about that food, but I was just a codependent person. When I learned about the word codependency, I was like, uh-huh, like, mm. wow, that sounds like me. And, you know, I was codependent on what other people thought of me, codependent on if my husband had a bad mood, uh, which he really doesn't care about. He's a really great guy. But I was still dependent on that, you know. Yeah. Um, I was dependent on food. I was dependent on 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 shopping. I well, it's sort of like addiction too, right? If but um, I didn't have any self worth. All my self worth was dependent on other other things or people or. Uh, dependent on driving a nice car you know and and i i still drive a nice car but i'm not dependent on, you know i'm um yeah, yeah I, I, you know attached to that anymore i got attached to yeah. yeah and and i had to have a new car every two years and, and that's gone now too yeah. you know like it's just um yeah i was attached to everything because i had no idea how to love myself or value myself and i i did not know what that was yeah so you know you you've worked with clients i know you're kind of um doing a little bit of transition in your business but you were working with people who were dealing with self-doubt as well and just helping them become mm -hmm. more confident because it really looks like you know yeah. from your bulimia and from lyme's disease you've managed to get there so what's mm -hmm. the biggest concern that a client would come to you with that they would need support on 
Um, well, it's funny. All my clients came to me for weight loss and, um, but, um, and, and I gave them a structure, a plan, but also a structure of freedom, you know, having the freedom and learning to eat that chocolate bar and without feeling guilt or, or and that ice cream without feeling uh, like you gain 10 pounds or you feel guilt or shame. But so I gave them that. And, uh, but then it, with all my clients, it just, it, it showed that the problem is just way deep. Like it's not really mm -hmm. about the food, but it's, it's about not loving themselves and not knowing how to, and indeed being dependent on, uh, the mood of that colleague, you know, at the workplace or, um, yeah, the, the, the hockey club of the kids, you know, yeah. like all those things, uh, and, and, and then often related to already started in childhood because that moment in childhood, how you felt then that emotion is usually what what you kind of feel now sometimes when a certain person tells you something you have a certain emotion and the feeling that you had as a child with that emotion often is still playing now yeah. and you kind of have to get cut the cord with that um, event and then you can become aware and um, make make create new feelings and thoughts for yourself. Yeah, like new beliefs almost. Your, your beliefs, yeah. 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 And, and that's where it's rooted, yeah. Yeah, like how do you, you know, you, you kind of walk your client through who thinks they're coming to you because they want to lose weight. And mm -hmm. you, you know, do help them with a plan there, but then how do you help them go deeper to realize that, you know, it's not really about the weight loss. It's about, you know, either the trauma or that, deep feeling you have within yourself of not feeling enough like how do you get them there um well i always um and i still have some clients but i always uh, send them a gift a book and i have a couple titles that are really good and after talking the first time because i do two zoom live calls per month with my clients so um, I'm immediately kind of feel, okay, this is going to be a really good book. And there's one particular book that really, um, when you start reading that, it brings you back to childhood. Like it's like, like you're back into child and you're like, wow, that's me. And, and that's how clients usually open up and, and they realize, Hmm, they realize things they never never thought and and sometimes things are tucked away so deep that they don't even remember but the more we talk about things then things really come back and the, it's really literally shedding layers and you all of a sudden there comes a memory back about something and um, i talk because i ask questions and i ask questions that have my clients look into themselves and they have to really come up with the answers. I don't know if that's called NLP or, mm. um, but it, it's a technique I learned in my wellness coaching. And um, 
yeah, it really helps. I said that, yeah, I, I asked the questions and I think they feel comfortable. And because I went through it, I, I totally understand what they're saying because I literally went through all those feelings and all those guilt and shame and um, so that I can relate and I'm not judging them and that they don't feel judged. And yeah, they just open up and I think they're usually surprised themselves too. Yeah, I bet, yeah. <laughs> I bet they are. Now, yeah. you, you know, you work in the health and wellness industry. It's, it's huge and there's some amazing things about it. And then there's also the very kind of guilt-inducing side that causes a lot mm -hmm. of shame and it yeah. probably does more damage than yeah. good. So what advice do you generally give to people who are kind of struggling with weight loss and they think that that's the thing that's going to make them happier? Um, well, I, I will. I'm, I'm not a huge social media fan myself. I even went off for six months completely mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, off Facebook, off Instagram. And that is basically before I started my business. And uh, because I felt that, um, you know, oh, I wasn't invited to that party, <laughs> you know, and oh, I'm not, I don't have perfect kids like her. My kids don't win awards. Yeah. My kids are not in a triple A league. <laughs> so, and, 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 but now because I went through that, I, I explain, yeah, I can explain that to people as well. And I think you just really have to set boundaries with social media like you do you, you have to kind of do with people around you yes. too uh there's certain people i don't see anymore and um or maybe only want to see for an hour or so um <laughs> but you have to protect yourself with social media too like um with if you feel that certain account is like the perfect family and maybe even if you look at my account you know my pictures are perfect kind of <laughs> um i'm not trying to but but i mean i'm writing my real stories mm -hmm. but you just really have to be aware that nobody is perfect and if somebody is portraying like the having the perfect husband and the perfect kids that is really not true we all have issues we all have struggles and that is okay and it but if you feel uncomfortable with a certain account i will just say unfollow and don't look yeah it's yeah. it's so true i am um, i kind of started this podcast because i was so tired of seeing all of those accounts that were you know everybody was posing and beautiful and and i just felt like where's the real stuff mm -hmm. like I'm sitting here yeah. in my pajamas and yeah. I don't really want to leave the house today where's those right. people True. you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. only someone that represents how I feel right now yeah and I think that's coming more now though you're yeah. starting to see people being a bit more honest because I think people are craving that connection yeah. like they're not connecting with the people with the fake photos no no right they want people who have gone through similar experiences that they can yeah. relate to yeah sounds like you kind of give that to your yeah i'm i'm really trying to and and also you know i i live on a farm and um 
in my, I mean, there were times that I was ashamed of living a, on a farm. It's like, why? Um, so cool. I, yeah, well, some people <laughs> think that it's romantic, but it, it's not all romantic. You know, it's, it's in the end, it is, it is, it is a business too, and it's stinky. It's <laughs> and a lot I'm of actually, work. It's a lot of work. I have a very hardworking family. Actually, my husband, my boys want to go into farming too. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm really starting to, to include that in my posts as well. And I'm going to do some photos actually on the farm, <laughs> which is not as romantic as you think, but it is my life. And yeah. uh, so I just, I just want to be, I just want to be real and you can just ask me basically anything. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think in, in life there is just finding a balance, you know, in everything like oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not always easy to find that balance, but just kind no. of, you know, trying to yeah. um, is really helpful. So one question um, I have is about emotional eating because mm -hmm. I know um, even if someone isn't quite diagnosed with something like bulimia, emotional eating is something that a lot of us uh, yeah. deal with. Um, like how would you talk someone through kind of overcoming something like emotional eating? Well, I had, uh, well, I think it depends on every single person, right? There's different reasons uh, but I had one client, um, she overate after going out for lunch with a colleague. And it turns out that this colleague was very negative um, about things. And she just mm -hmm. let that in. And then she wanted to eat. And I asked her a couple questions. And it turned out that she took on another person's uh, toxin uh, or drama life, drama uh, you know, and uh, so I kind of taught her how to prevent that and that she doesn't really need food for that. So she became aware of setting more boundaries. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it, it can be emotional eating can be also being bored. For me, it was sometimes being bored and not having a mission or passion mm. uh, was, I think, for me, a thing feeling overwhelmed with things that happen in life can be a trigger. Uh, but I think a lot of times too, drama from other people. And, um, and, and, and for me, that was sometimes too drama from other people. And I realized at some point that I kind of liked drama because my childhood was sort of dramatic too at points. And, and, um, so yeah, for some reason I attracted drama and, and that was also a reason for overeating. So there can be many reasons, Yeah. Um, but you kind of have to trace back to, okay, well, how did I feel before and what happened today? You have to start ask yourself questions like what happened today and who was I with and what did we talk about? Did he or she say something or... Or didn't I, was I just running around the whole day? Didn't I take, don't, do I not take enough time for myself or, and sometimes it's even as simply as not eating, like not eating all day. Just, I mean, some people fast, but fasting for me personally does not work. It make, makes me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> makes me hangry. 
Yep, I'm exactly <laughs> the same. The intermittent fasting that everybody yeah. keeps talking about, I, I can't. I get to like 10 o'clock, I have a headache. Oh, yeah. I'm starving, I'm angry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 not worth it, and something like that can be a trigger for mm-hmm. uh, binging too. But then it's not called emotional eating, of course. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. it's kind of just tracing it back to like tracing it back to what caused. happened and how did I feel before? How did I wake up? Like, yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. I definitely, I think, um, for my in my own experience, if I'm when I've been in a job that I'm not entirely happy in, I tend to pick and eat all day. But if I'm mm-hmm. in a place and I'm doing work that I enjoy, before I know it, it's like noon and I'm like, oh, it's lunchtime. And, you know, I had something for breakfast, but I haven't been picking or, or just kind of eaten because out of boredom or just sheer hate for the, <laughs> the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So it's just being aware yeah. of those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what other resources uh, do you tend to kind of tell people about if they are either dealing with um, just their low in confidence, their their overeating or their emotional eating? Is there certain books, websites, other than obviously the work that you do, um, that you would send them to? Yeah, um, definitely books. I have a couple of really good books. And, and I, like I said, I give a gift but I also recommend along the line um, books. Uh, I uh, try to uh, let them meditate. There's a really good meditation app that's for free that has a lot of good ones. And there's one particular life coach that I really like um, that also relate back to the childhood uh, traumas and things. And so, yeah, I recommend them watching sometimes videos of certain people too. Is there any particular people you think that are YouTubers that do a really great job or authors that do a really good job with the advice that they give? There's a lot out there. So it's trying to find, you know, yeah. yeah, who's the good ones. Yeah. One life coach that really hit home with me was, uh, her name is Lisa A. Romano. And, um, um she has also meditations on that app and really good youtube videos that are for free and um that was like she introduced the word codependency actually and like having lived with narcissistic um people like my dad was pretty narcissistic so um learning all those things was like uh-huh wow that and that was like coming home and and that is immediately healing so I try to share that with my clients too yeah 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 that's cool I need to look her up my last question for you is why do you think there is so much shame around you know having an illness like bulimia or even Lyme disease or just being someone who feels like they're not good enough but yet they just feel so much shame around either how they look how they you know present themselves whatever it is like why do you think that's in your experience anyway why do you think we just struggle to talk about it or face it um I think because we always have to look strong and be strong and 
be pretty and 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 that was there without social media too <laughs> that was also there in my high school and uh you know i didn't belong to the popular kids <laughs> yeah and um and the popular kids were pretty and um I think I, I was a, a, like a good red wine becoming better with age. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and, and, and I mean, now I'm happy how it all went, but I think we all have to be strong. And that's why I felt embarrassed because strong women and strong men, they don't need mental help. And, but I know now that you're actually strong if you ask for help and you get help. But, um, and I think it's a cultural thing too, because my parents taught me that in, uh, at some point something happened in my childhood and I had to see a counselor and I don't think I ever went. Instead, I, I just didn't want to go because I felt so embarrassed. I was like 11 and then my mom took me for ice cream and and she's like this is way better hey than going so there was another link with eating right yeah. ice cream band-aid for uh, counseling so it was embedded in culture too i think yeah. that it's kind of a bad thing to go to uh, um it has a negative load yeah i I think, unfortunately, it's still the same. I do, again, see it changing, but very slowly. Yeah. I know I have talked um, about doing therapy quite openly, you know, on my podcast and with my friends. And I'm hoping, you know, I'm sure other podcasters and other people out there who go through that, like yourself, who are now encouraging yeah. other people to kind of get that kind of help, that it will change. Let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> it is changing. The world is changing. And you with your podcast and uh, myself with uh, Instagram and YouTube, uh, we are changing the world for the good. Yeah. We're all planting little seeds. And yeah, that's and I... important that everybody keeps doing that. If you have something to say, to share, please, please do. Yeah, and that can be the positive side of social media now, you know. That is, yeah. Right? That it could be yeah. good to good use. Yes, right? exactly. And, you know, make us connect more on a human level. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. So, Jetty, this has been wonderful. Thank you so yeah. much for your time. And I really appreciate you sharing your, your story on Uncomfortable. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Uncomfortable. To find out more about Jetty, you can visit her website, truejetty.com, and that's T-R-U-J-E-T-T-Y. You can also follow her over on Instagram, at Facebook, at truejetty. If you enjoyed our conversation or you have any comments that you'd like to share, then head over to this episode page on our website, uncomfortable.blog, and you are welcome to post them in the comments box. You can also follow us on social media. We are at uncomfortable.blog on Facebook and Instagram and at uncomfy underscore podcast on Twitter. If you like what you heard, then you can head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a glowing review and make sure to hit all five of those stars. You can also support us on a monthly basis by becoming a patron and pledging as little as 2 to $5 per month. 
Your monthly pledges will help keep this little podcast on its pod feet by covering costs such as website and podcast hosting, editing software and equipment upgrades. Thank you again for listening. Now go out there and get uncomfortable.